Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Do Good Podcast. My name is Oscar Rivas, and we have a great episode for you today. It's our second episode, and we have a local legend. We have someone who's been covering this community for the past 19 years as a reporter and editor for the Cornwall Local. We have Ken Cashman with us today. And we started out recording, and we're having a great conversation, and I forgot to record an introduction to the whole podcast, which is why we're doing this this way. Uh, we had a great show of support for the first podcast. We hopefully you like this one. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube. You know, make sure you follow us, like, share, comment, all those things to show us your support. And we can continue to bring this out for you and show all the people that are doing wonderful things around the community and all the cool things going around town. So without any further ado, enjoy the podcast. Thank you for having me, Oscar. I hope people enjoy this. Oh, I'm sure they will. You're yeah. a local legend. Uh, so... <laughs> For people who don't know about you, why don't you give us a brief introduction about yourself, where you come from, and uh, what you do? Okay. Um, I was born in Manhattan. I'm not going to take the whole life story, but I was born in Manhattan. I worked for 26 years for Prentice Hall Publishing. Ghost wrote a couple of books for them. Sold insurance for 12 years. Retired. Answered an ad in the paper and came to work for the Cornwall Local in 2001. I live in Monroe. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is deceased. I have three children and eight grandchildren. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Very nice. So you've been writing for quite a long time. What, what, what kind of things did you focus on for this first 20-something years? Well, for the first 26 years, I was in the college book production department. Um, and the way I came to write the books is uh, I, they had a uh, New York City policeman who was giving a course on protecting yourself from muggers. He was giving it to senior citizens. And they made a video of it, but um, they asked me to work with him and write, a, write the book. And he had an unusual approach he was a jujitsu instructor in addition to being a policeman. But he had a team of ex-convicts who went around with him and would explain how they committed the crimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So <laughs> we filmed, we shot some of the pictures in the South Bronx, and I was glad that I was standing next to the jujitsu instructor. It was pretty pretty scary. So I did that book for them, and then afterwards uh, I did a book on uh, training dogs where somebody had the information and I put it, put it together. Um, I was very active in Monroe at the time. I was president of Little League. I was the head of our church Sunday school, and uh, I was tired of commuting down to Englewood Cliff, so I thought, which he's selling insurance, uh, you know a lot of people. And, and the great thing about it is that it kept you in contact with people. Um, you know, especially as your children get older, all of a sudden you lose the contacts you had when they were in sports and school, and this was a way of keeping up with them. Um, mm. Anyhow, I, I got to retirement age. And uh, I wanted to do it. Okay. So I retired in January of 2001. But I didn't want to just sit around and do nothing. Uh, 
So there was an ad in the record for a part-time reporter, and I, I answered that in March of 2001. Um, there were two people vying for the job, so they gave me a, a, a test, and I actually did very badly on it. <laughs> uh, there was a meeting between the town and village boards about the Masada waste product to energy proposal. Uh, and the representative for Masada was the town attorney for Monroe. So I knew him, and I said, well, give me the scoop on this. So he told me everything, and I wrote what he told me, and it was very one-sided. <laughs> <laughs> the editor at the time, Dave Gordon, uh, had to rewrite the whole thing. <laughs> but they they didn't give up on me. They they gave the two of us a job. The other was um, Kim Wojciechowski, who had two young children at the time. And we both worked half time. And Kim's children were very young. So after about two months, she gave it up. And uh, I became more active. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, we can't just skim over the part where you were hanging out with ex-cons and felons and learning. <laughs> you must have learned a few tricks here and there when following that around. I tell you the truth. The, the worst thing about this, there was one one Saturday that we came out to Prentice Hall uh, to stage some of the pictures, and we actually accidentally locked ourselves out. So Officer Griffith turned to this one guy, I believe his name last name was Dugan, and he said, well, you were a burglar. See if you can get us in. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> oh, my God. That's yeah. so funny. That's amazing. Now, what, what, what was the other book that you mentioned you wrote about? Um, my wife uh, took our dog to um, an adult education class mm -hmm. uh, on obedience training, and... Um, I asked the instructor if he would like to do a book with me. I had just finished the mugging book. Um, That's a perfect transition from mugging right <laughs> to dog training. Yeah. So I, I asked Jim if he would. And the interesting thing was there, he was an older man, and he died before we finished the book. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't long enough, so I went back through the book and created an appendix for all the different little tricks that he suggested. Uh, neither one of the book w was a, they're both still in print. They, they weren't huge successes because, for example, protecting yourself, you'd rather go to a class in jujitsu than try to do it from a book. Mm -hmm. And the same with, with dog training. But both of them have, have stayed around now and then, if I'm at a library, I'll go into the computer, and, and I can find that the books are still around somewhere. Well, maybe we should uh, change that, and we should use this podcast to sell your book. And <laughs> people can go on Amazon.com and try to find it and start buying <laughs> Ken's book, and they can train their... Did you ever use a book to train your own dog or anything like that? Uh, the funny thing is that our dog won first place uh, at the class, and it was probably the worst behaved dog you could imagine, <laughs> but he was good in the class. All right. Well, at least the book you know, helped you do that. That's pretty yes. good. Um, so you said that you were from Monroe. You, that you, 
Well, I've lived in Monroe since 1983. 1983, okay. Yeah. What's your connection with Cornwall? How do you find out about Cornwall? Was it through the newspaper ad? Well, yes, I had I had been here a couple of times for uh, little league events, but it was the newspaper ad that brought me to the local. Uh, and I was always very flattered. I remember one time and school board member said to me, have you lived in Cornwall your whole life? And I said, well, no, actually, I've never lived in Cornwall. But I really became a part of the community. Uh, And I think it was two things that happened that summer of 2001. The first was that I came up here to cover Fourth of July. I got up here at 9.30 in the morning, and it was past midnight when I got home. I really got to become a part of the community. And a couple of weeks later, uh, I looked at the record and there was a picture of our girls' little league team who were playing a game out in Port Jervis. I said, you know what, I'll go out there. And I drove out and I watched the game with the parents and I started traveling with the team. And it was a successful team. They got to the state semifinals down in Staten Island. Uh, and I got to know a lot of the parents and just kind of blended in. That's great. That's awesome. And yeah. I think that's one of the great things about the community here is that they're very welcoming for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though sometimes it can be a little crazy online, but it's a, very, it's a very welcoming community. People are very nice to each other here, and they're always willing to lend a hand. Um, so tell me about those early days. I mean, that was a, quite an interesting year to be joining the newspaper industry and the yeah. local i mean a mm-hmm. few months later 9-11 happened which is right kind of crazy that today is actually 9-11 when we were recording this yes what was that time like you know being a reporter and reporting on something that i'm sure affected a lot of families around here well we listened to it on the radio at at the paper um we didn't quite know the connection with cornwall at the time but uh, the one fatality from Cornwall was Ken Kumpel. <sighs> Unfortunately, I did. I met Ken Kumpel because his son was on a little league team that year that did very well that got to the section finals. But there were like 12 or 15 sets of parents. I really don't remember him personally. But he was a, Ken was a fireman, ladder company, 25. He had worked the previous night and was off duty. He was still in the firehouse, and he was just about to, to leave to go home when the call came in, mm-hmm. and he hopped on the engine fire truck along with everyone else. Mm. Um, Greg Kumpel tells the story that uh, he got home. He had been watching watching it in school. And when he got home, he said to his mother, did you hear what happened? And right away he could tell, Greg was about 10 at the time, and right away he could tell that something was wrong. And he said, what's wrong? And she said, I think your father is in that building. And then of course there was a long wait and he never did get back. Mm. And both Greg and his younger brother are New York City firemen now. Oh wow, that's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it's such a you know horrible time, but there were so many great stories, so many heroes that I you know yes, you yes. know gave their lives to save so many people yeah. out there. Yeah, and we did have a lot of people in. 
uh, Kevin Hines says that at one point, Nick Visconti, who lives in town, was the highest ranking. He didn't know it, but he was the highest ranking fireman in the building. I guess the others had, wow. had passed away. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Now let's switch gears a little bit. Did you ever have? Did you ever work in any newspapers before that, or no? That no. Your first experience uh, with the local. My only experience was in Monroe, in 1999. We celebrated our bicentennial, um, and I, I was the chairman. And I wrote after a lot of the events. I wrote about them for the newspaper, the Photo News. Mm. So. Uh, so a little bit, a little taste before you joined. A them. little bit of a taste, yes. Nice. Now, tell me some interesting facts about Cornwall that people might not know about. You know, you, you know quite a few stories uh, reporting on Cornwall for the past uh, well, 19 years. 19 years, yeah. yeah. I saw that. I, the only thing that comes to mind is something that I brought up last night. We found, found a book of Cornwall a uh, little pamphlet, and it had uh, a list of all the supervisors dating back to the 19th century. And I added up the years and uh, saw that Dick Rendazzo, with his different times in and out of office, had been supervisor longer than anybody in the history of the town. Oh, wow. Uh, but I couldn't think of anything else offhand. So let's talk about some of the things that the local focuses on. It seems like uh, you guys make a real effort to cover, one of the things that I love recently is that you guys have been highlighting a lot of different businesses that are coming in or mm-hmm. new stories. Well, where did that come about? Because that, that was also something that you guys been doing before, but all of a sudden you guys you know, started coming up with that. And I think it's great because it's awesome to highlight the new people that are coming in. I think there are a couple of things that are happening. One thing that's happening, going back the last six months, is that there's less happening in town. Mm. Not, there are no sporting events, um, no dance recitals, no concerts. So we had to find other things. At the same time, we wanted to help businesses. We knew a lot of businesses were, were in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've had some new businesses come in. I was just at a new business this morning. That's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. So I think we're going more in, the, in that direction. Uh, and the two things kind of kind of happened that we were looking for something new to cover and uh, thought businesses was a, a good thing to look at. Yeah, no, that's a, I think that was a really good idea. Uh, you know, with this whole COVID situation going on and the way mm-hmm. things are changing, um, that, that I think that's a good shift. How else has the this pandemic shifted and affected the way you guys work? Did you guys have to work remotely for a little while, or? Uh, actually, today, everyone works remotely except myself and the uh, Bobby Turner, who's the assistant manager, and she's recruited somebody, who Aaron Grass, who's just started a, f- a few weeks ago. But uh, the graphics department is remote. The news of the Highlands editor is remote. And so is Jason Kaplan. So I'm not really familiar with the news of the Highlands. How how does the news of the Highlands differ from the Cornwall local? Are there a lot of differences or there's similar articles? Okay. For people who are not familiar (laughs) like myself. 
Well, there are two different newspapers. The, new, the news of the Highlands covered Highland Falls and Fort Montgomery. Uh, today, for economic reasons, we're together. The, the two papers are, are bound together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the local has its own page one and page three. The same with the news of the Highlands. But otherwise, we all contribute to one paper. Okay. Uh, How has the, you know, since 2000 till now, I'm sure the newspaper industry has changed quite a bit. How has it changed the local and how how do you guys, how have you guys adjusted? Because a lot of newspapers are falling left and right all over the country. What's your secret (laughs) to keep going? We don't want to be one of them. Absolutely not. We want you guys to stay around. I I think what you're going to see more of in the local is you're going to see more people contributing to it, writing articles. I'm going to see more contests, more uh, community photographs. Um, And I think we'll go try and go out and sell ourselves more. Uh, But I I think that's the direction the paper's going in, and hopefully uh, people will respond to it more. What can people do to support the the local? What kind of what kind of what? You besides buying more ads in the newspaper or uh, buying multiple subscriptions, how else can they commute? Because I, you know I've talked to a lot of people around here, and the one thing that they always appreciate is having a local newspaper. I think is a very important thing for this community. So I think anybody listening out there will be more than happy and willing to help the local. Mm. So how can the community help the, the newspaper? I I would say. Probably by participating more. Uh, you've been very kind in, in what your own uh, review of the paper. A lot of people don't know we're out there. Mm. Um, we're not too conspicuous on the newsstand. Uh, I talk to people sometimes, say, we, we didn't know there was a Cornwall paper. Mm. Um, so I think what we have to do, that's turning it around is that we have to reach the people who don't know about us. And it's it's not easy because a lot of people are um, online people rather than newsprint people. Sure. But I, I guess... Uh, Just get the word out there. People get start the talking word about the Cornwall out, local, right. you know. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this community is we have the group called uh, Living in Cornwall. I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm. with it. Do you think that's, you know, maybe a lot of people are getting their news from there? Or how did you guys, <laughs> and did you guys use it as a way to get news stories as well? Because, I mean, there's a lot of discussions that happen there sometimes that yeah. are a little lively and, and uh, crazy. But uh, how, 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 how do you guys, has, has that affected your new reporting? Have you used that as a source somehow to, like, reach out to news stories? How does Okay, I have not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not on social media at okay. all. It, it just doesn't suit me. Have you heard about the living in Cornwall? I certainly have, and, yeah. and we we wrote about it when it first came out. Don Don Rishi. Well, that was, she was Don Ricky. It's now Don Kilgore. That's right, correct. And it confuses me because Joe Gill, our manager, always called her by her maiden name. Mm. And not uh, not the Kilgore, and he is now a lieutenant colonel. Uh, when Dawn came up with this, uh, she was telling me, for example, with the military connection, 
these type of sites are very big on military bases where people move into the neighborhood and they want to know what's a good cleaner, what's a good hairstylist. And it was a way to exchange information. And I wrote about it and as kind of a supplement that this was another thing in addition to to the uh, falling apart here. Another thing in addition to the local. Mm. Um, as it progressed, I, I think it became more a site for people, conversational. Yeah. Uh, but I introduced this as a, as a great thing that it would be sort of covering the same ground that we did. I, I know it's a very productive site that there are a lot of things that are discussed and yeah, yeah it, it, it can get quite lively there with 3,000 uh, members, or I think it might be more now. It's like 6,000, I'm not sure. Yeah. But our conversations can uh, be quite lively. Tell me your, your experience being a reporter for the past almost 20 years. Well, it, it's a great experience. It, it's a great way to become a part of the community because you attend so many things. Um, it's a little harder the last few months because there are fewer things. But um, I always have something to do, uh, and that's been great. Yeah. Tell me about, you said you used to coach Little League as well. Is, is, and I feel like you're always writing, when the sports were going on, I, I feel like you were always you know, covering that. Uh, tell me about your, your passion for this, you know, reporting on the sports and uh, seeing some of the great athletes that come out of here. Like, what has that been like for you to see some okay. of these athletes and covering the sports here in Cornwall? Yeah, it's been a, over these 19, 20 seasons, we've had a, a lot of great teams, and it was fun to see it transform. Uh, when I started, uh, the football team was getting beat pretty bad every <laughs> week. I used to um, stand on the sidelines and just wish for the game to be over before the other team could add to the score. Was it that bad? <laughs> It was pretty bad, and it was probably worse before I came. There was a period, um, 87 team had a winning record, and then from 88 through 2001, the team never won more than two games in a year. Oh, my God. In 2002, the team won its third game, and our editor at the time put up a big headline, team wins its third game. <laughs> Making headlines in the, in the local. <laughs> Uh, the next year was the turnaround. Uh, everybody came of age with these guys who had been playing as sophomores and juniors, getting the daylight speed out of them, uh, suddenly turned around and won nine out of ten games. Oh. And they just took off from there. Oh, wow. Um, now, has it, from that point on, has it, have they always been like a really good team? Or uh, From that point like a... on, well, and that was where they've had 17 seasons. They were champions 15 of the 17 seasons, uh, won a number of regional championships, and of course the last two years they were state champions. Past two years, yeah. Yeah. So you're the lucky charm. Is that what's going on here? As soon as you started reporting the community, the, the started I doing better? I just came at the right time. Uh, the same way uh, I remember, remember because tomorrow is her birthday, um, indoor track this little bit of a girl came up i thought she was a fifth or sixth grader but she was a high school freshman mm -hmm. uh ashlyn cuff oh yeah and 
they used it that winter in the race walk. And she wasn't great. I mean, she was about sixth in the county. And it was funny to see this little bit of a girl trying to catch up to the big girls. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the spring, she asked the coach, could she have a chance to run? And she qualified that spring for the state state meet and then came back, grew a hell of heck of a lot of, heck of a, <laughs> heck of a lot over the summer mm-hmm. and just took off, won every cross country race, finished second in the state that year, and eventually became the national high school cross country champion. That's unbelievable. She was also a uh, grand marshal for one of the July 4th parades, wasn't she? She was the grand marshal, yes. She, and she was not the youngest of all times, but oh, yes. No. She was the um, grand marshal her senior year. So she was 17 when she was grand marshal. But there was a girl in the 80s uh, who won an essay, a national essay contest, and she was 12 years old as grand oh, wow. marshal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and that was one thing that helped me. Uh, Jason Kaplan does it now, but for many years I did the feature this week in Cornwall. 10, 25, 50 years ago, oh, yeah. which is how I started to know things that happened before I, I came here. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how you were catching up with everything? That's yes. Good. No, she's such an amazing runner. Uh, and uh, I remember, I think maybe one Main Street mile, I saw her running. And uh-huh. uh, I, this one year, I decided that, you know, I'm just going to try the Main Street mile and see how it goes. And it was July 4th, of course, and uh, I decided to have two cheeseburgers, some french fries, and <laughs> something else before the race. Yeah. And um, I decided to join for whatever reason. I think my sister-in-law so were like, oh, we're going to do it too, so you got to do it. And I was like, all right, we'll do it. And uh, I remember her like doing short bursts and then like holding my kidney. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. And then right at the very end, uh, right in front of the pond, I saw a friend of mine and her kid, and they were running right behind me. And I was like, there's no way in hell or in heck that I'm going to let them beat me. So then I started like running and running and running. And eventually I made it and I had better time than my sisters in laws by the way. But then I went to hide behind a bush because I was just like in so much pain. Should not have eaten those two cheeseburgers and french fries before the race. She probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah. No, probably not a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, you live, you learn. Yeah. Um, speaking of learning, uh, I heard that you were, I learned something interesting about you about you that you were a really good singer and that uh you like to sing the national anthem is that true well i'm not going to say yes i'm a really good singer um yes i do sing the national anthem and the way that came about was at a uh, high school cornwall high school basketball game it was a big game uh they started to play the national anthem and it played a few notes and it stopped and they started a second time and a third time. And I'm not very patient. And I said to Lou Chaffee, who was the athletic director at the time, I said, Lou, do you want me to sing it? And he handed me the microphone, and I did. And that's how I was discovered. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing. So so, so that's how you started. Uh, that was, that was mm-hmm. the beginning of your singing career, I guess. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, uh, I sing some, sometimes Thursday nights at Lochran's, and um, years ago, I was pretty young, I, I sang Stardust for Hoagie Carmichael's sister-in-law. 
Oh. Uh, and when I, I met my wife, I, I sang something, and she said, did you ever sing professionally? And I said, no, but I sang Stardust for Hoagie Carmichael's sister-in-law. And she said, what's Stardust and who's Hoagie Carmichael? I said, this girl's going to be hard to impress. <laughs> uh, I don't know who those people are, but I'm sure it's probably <laughs> <Okay>. someone important. <laughs> uh, so what do you think about this community of Cornwall? What, is, what, 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 do you, what do you think are some of the things that make it special? Uh, because, you know, from everybody that I talk to, they just love it here. And whoever people, when people, people visit, they just fall in love. What do you think it is about this community and this town that people are make it so passionate about, that they're so passionate about? I, I mean, I have enjoyed the people, but if you think of all the things that we have here in Cornwall, we have the Art Museum, we have the Nature Museum, we have Black Rock Forest. It, it, the first time I went there, it was amazing that just walk a mile or so and you're in the wilderness, and, and yet you can look down and see Cornwall. We have the riverfront, um, and I'm sure there are a lot of a lot of other things that left out. So I think that that's good, and we have a lot of events. Mm-hmm. The Fourth of July event, uh, I couldn't believe it when I came here the first time, and I had an experience a couple of years ago. Uh, we had a big rainstorm, and I went into. Uh, Pete Kerpesky's house. Pete is the commander of the American Legion. He had a small party. And we saw two people walking by uh, with raincoats, and the raincoats were over their instruments. They were trying to protect their instruments there in the band. So we we called them into the house, uh, and they sat out the rainstorm with us. They were, they were people from New York City who play uh, in Broadway for Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was no show on July 4th, so they thought it would be fun to get a gig um, with a, a band from Middletown and play a 4th of July parade. Well, what I'm getting at is that for to see it through their eyes, what we have here, I mean, they were working, but it was really a day off to be part of this. Uh, and... And that's the way I was in 2001 with the 4th of July. I had never seen anything like it. Um, the only thing I ever saw like it was the movie Picnic, where they, the whole town goes out on Labor Day mm-hmm. and celebrates. And So I would say one of the things that makes Cornwall special are all the different things we have here and the, the different events. I mean, 4th of July is only one of them. We have the tree lighting, uh, uh, of course we don't have it this year, but the sidewalk sell and... The uh, riverfront and... Right, right. Yeah, the fall festival. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, it's one of those things, I've, I've, I've come from many different places. I've lived in Miami, I lived in LA, I lived mm. in Orlando. I come from Venezuela, a different country. Um, but that first July 4th parade is something very special. Like when mm-hmm. you... You've seen it in big cities, and but in big cities, it's spread out. You know, you'll see like fireworks here and there, but here, Main Street just transforms to just seeing all the local people yeah. with their little floats, and it ranges from big ones to like little pickup trucks mm. in the back. 
Um, and you know, you had the firefighters. I remember seeing people from West Point, I think at one point there was like, you know, big trucks from West mm -hmm. Point driving by. So it was very special to get that small town feel to the July 4th. I think it made it even more special celebrating the independence in a small town in the United States than uh, some of the other major mm -hmm. cities. So uh, yeah, I can definitely agree with how special it would feel for when mm -hmm. you were first there and those people that were coming from the city. Uh, it was just, and you know the kids love it with the candy being thrown everywhere, <laughs> and the senior spraying water everywhere for you know yeah. a hot day. It comes from yes, that's uh, that's not a good day to be known by the senior class because I get doused every year. You do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a sign of love more than uh, anything else. Um, but yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm sure whenever we see them, I'm glad I don't know a lot of them. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna hide now because here comes <laughs> the water guns. Um, uh -huh. what are some of the, if you looking back on your career as a reporter, are there any like stories that are like special and near and dear to your heart covering them or any major stories that stand out because it was important to you? Uh, well, or it doesn't have to be new yeah. about the newspaper, but something you experienced while being here in town that you that, okay. that made a last Yeah, I did, did have some things in mind. Uh, the crime stories are always big. The, uh, the woman who's in the kayak, whose fiance drowned. That's uh, right. Tell us a little bit about that. For the people who are not familiar with it, you know, I'm sure you have to cover that here while that was going on. What happened with that woman? Or how did that whole well, thing come about? We still don't know. She, she was acquitted. Uh, what I would tell you that maybe didn't get as much publicity is that our yacht club members played an important role in that. Um, one of them was just leaving the waterfront. He was in his truck, and he got a message on the radio um, uh, about the capsized kayaks. And it was, it was rough, rough water. Um, so for, sorry, for people who don't know, Basically, what happened is this, this couple was kayaking out in the Hudson River, and all of a sudden the husband didn't appear, and then she turned up, and then she was charged with the murder of the, the boyfriend. But go ahead, continue. They had, uh, it was a fiancé, they had uh, paddled over to Bannerman's Island, and coming back, the river got very rough. Um, he fell out of the boat. She called for help, um, and I, it's a couple of years. I may not have all the details. Sure, sure. Uh, when she called for help, um, among the people who responded were three people from the uh, yacht club, mm -hmm. and they went out in just a little service boat that they used to go from the dock to their boats, uh, they were taking a risk. A lot of water poured into the boat. Mm. As they approached the boat, she deliberately turned her boat over. Mm. Why did she do it? I, I don't know. And I, I questioned the district attorney, and he said he was aware of it, but you couldn't, you couldn't say what the motive was. Sure. I mean, did she feel guilt because she couldn't rescue him, or did she want the people coming to think that she had capsized who I don't know. Mm. Um, 
but uh, they brought her back to the dock, and then sometime a few days after this happened, she changed from being a victim to a suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she w- was eventually acquitted, and as I recall, the reason what happened is that they, and you might know more more than I do, but I guess it's possible to go into a computer and retrieve things that have been deleted. Mm, yeah. um, and she maintained, she had told the police that she had removed the plug of the kayak so that it would fill with water. Looking at old pictures, the police saw that the kayak, that the plug had been removed a long time ago. Mm, okay. Uh, the police actually, uh, the state uh, state police, this is, had a trial here off the off the dock of the yacht club, where they got in a kayak, pulled the plug. Mm-hmm. I think they did it twice. Once the kayak sank, once it didn't. Okay. We tried to go and photograph it, but we didn't know where they were doing it. <laughs> I had been been tipped off, but we didn't know where they were doing it. We went to Plum Point, or Jason Kaplan did, and Jason was sitting at Plum Point with his camera while they were doing this at the yacht club. But... Um, that's kind of the story, yeah. and uh, people people like those stories. Every time we stop printing the police blotter, we hear from readers saying you you, you took out our favorite thing. Is that right? Yeah, oh, police blotter is very popular. <laughs> people want to know yeah. every single little thing going on in town. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a big story. I remember hearing that about the story a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it was it was a big event going on around here. Um, it's interesting that how people love crime stories, you know, mm-hmm. true crimes and things like that. It just captivates people's attention and they just want to be like, maybe something about trying to solve the mystery themselves and mm-hmm. trying to find details that maybe somebody else might not have found out about. Um, that's the, that's an interesting thing. Um, what about positive stories? What are some of the positive stories, some positive stories that you can think of? Like, okay. Well, I was thinking about this. Um, Either 2005 or 2006, uh, we had a high school baseball team that got to the state finals. Uh, but they were, they were playing a, a game, the first round of the state tournament. Cornwall was ahead 7-2, and Nyack tied the game in the last inning. It went into extra innings. In the eighth inning... Uh, Brian Scott, his mother is now a town councilwoman, Brian Scott beat out an infield hit. Cornwall loaded the bases. They were one out. Uh, Nyack brought in its best pitcher. And uh, the count got to three balls and one strike. Pitcher threw a pitch that looked like it was outside. The Cornwall fans cheered, thinking it was ball four, bringing in the winning run. But the umpire, who was very lackadaisical, slowly raised his hand to say strike two. Brian is on third base. He thinks it's a walk, and so he just trots down the baseline. The pitcher should have looked at him, but he didn't. He was concentrating on the next pitch, gets ready to throw, and Brian steps on home plate. (laughs) 
the Cornwall players rush out of the dugout. They mob him. He's confused, doesn't know what. The other team protests, but there was nothing the umpire can do. It was scored as a steal of home. And that was the winning run? And that was the winning run. He just walked home and that was He it. just walked home. And uh, so I wrote a poem about it. Uh, when Brian took his famous stroll, with innocence he reached his goal. He thought the ump had signaled ball and headed home, as we recall. Along the baseline, Brian lagged and went unnoticed and untagged. And when his journey home was done, the Dragons had the winning run. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that's exclusive right there. That's nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice poem. Thank that's you. a great story. Oh, my God. I, I never knew the story about the baseball team winning that way. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be one of a kind kind of win. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, now, what's next for you? What, 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 uh, what's in the future for Ken Cashman? And uh, uh, how long do you see yourself continuing to report on the, on the community? I don't know. I think I've been lucky to do it as long as I have. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still enjoy doing it. So I'm going to continue for a while. Where do you see the local going in, in the future? Do you, think, do you guys think we'll shift things a little bit online more to try to get a, a greater reach? Uh, I think I think you'll see more and more of an online presence. Yeah. Yeah. And as we had mentioned before, I think you'll see uh, a wider public participation. Uh, we're talking about having a, a page which people in the school district will contribute to. And uh, Great. Yeah. Well, Wonderful. Including the community, I think, is going to be a fun part of the, the experience as well. As long as you don't forget the p police blotter. <laughs> People will riot if you get yeah. rid of the police blotter, so make sure yeah. to keep that in the, in the newspaper in the future. Yeah. All right, Kane Cashman, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Was it was a pleasure. So there you have it. That's the end of the podcast. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We had a great time talking to Ken. We really appreciate the stories and all the things that he was able to share with us today. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube if you like the video version of it. And uh, yeah, we'll continue to bring you a lot more of these. There's a lot of cool things happening in Cornwall. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening around the holidays. So make sure to subscribe. And uh, until next time, make sure to stay safe and you do good.